welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and my latest cookbook is called Real Life Dinners. I just have to say that you're my very special 100th episode guest, and I can't thank you enough for coming on my podcast again to talk about cookbook number two. (laughs) Okay, so you're the co-CEO of The Hollis Company, an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. a motivational Mm -hmm. speaker, social media influencer, mom of four, wife to Dave, and a New York Times and Amazon bestseller. Now you show us how to handle dinner in your new cookbook, Real Life Dinners. It's one of those cookbooks for real life. Now, how has dinner played a pivotal role in your life? Well, dinner is one of my favorite, no, it is the favorite meal. And so many of the best memories in my life happened around a dinner table. Um, Sometimes that dinner table was my own. Sometimes it was my grandmother's. Sometimes it was, you know, a little table somewhere in Italy when we were on vacation. But as I started to dream of what the next cookbook would be, I really wanted to to celebrate the meal that I loved most. And I also, as a mom of four, dinner is what I'm constantly trying to figure out. It's the only meal that I really cook. I mean, sometimes we do breakfast on the weekends, but um, I'll be super honest and tell you that more often than not, it's, you know, Cheerios or toaster waffles. But dinner is where I really, um, my heart is there. So I really put a ton of effort into making sure that we're eating good dinners. And I thought I can't be the only other mom. I can't be the only woman who's trying to figure this out. So when I buy cookbooks, that's the only kind of cookbook I buy is things that are going to help me get dinner on the table. And I just wanted to show my own. You wrote in the introduction, sometimes I'm so busy working on ways to help other women live a better life that I run out of time and my kids eat turkey sandwiches or worse, (laughs) just straight up turkey rolled around a piece of string cheese for dinner. What is your planning strategy so this doesn't happen? Yeah. So, um, my favorite practice that I've adopted in the last couple of years is prepping for my week on Saturday or Sunday. It's a really fantastic way to meal prep. So I take the time, I figure out what are the lunches and snacks that I want to be able to take to work with me during the week or that my husband wants for breakfast. And I prep those as well as figuring out what we're going to have for dinner on that Sunday. And so I'll do all my grocery shopping and I'll get the stuff that I'm going to prep as well as the things that I want to make for dinner later in the week. That way, if I'm going to, let's say, marinate um, some steak or do something that requires a little prep work, I'll get it all done then so that when Tuesday rolls around and I'm going to grill up that meat for Dave, it's ready to go and I've done it in advance. I'm trying to take as much work out of the process as I possibly can to ensure that we're frankly eating healthy because I can get dinner on the table for you all day long. But when I'm in a hurry or when I'm in doubt, I'm going to reach for things that aren't as great a choice for what we're eating. I'm going to reach for stuff that's probably, you know, really carb based and tastes delicious, but doesn't help us stay in a healthy way of life. So I found that by prepping, I I remove a lot of the stress from my life, as well as I feel better about what I'm feeding my family. It's funny because one of your mottos is we're not going to have a dream, we're going to have a plan. Mm -hmm. So I guess that translates to cooking too. 
Yeah. I think if you are waiting until you're hungry to try and figure out what you're going to eat, you're in trouble. In fact, I can tell you that um, earlier in my life, um, years ago when I had my first baby and I really, really struggled with my weight, it was because like a lot of moms, I wasn't taking care of myself. I would get to four o'clock and realize I hadn't really eaten anything. And then all of a sudden I'd eat everything in the kitchen and you know, what I was choosing were really bad things. Like, you know, oh, I'll eat a box of Ritz crackers. I was just uh, going to so say Ritz, yeah. Ritz yeah. and the some gem, right? cheese. Yes, exactly. But I'm way more likely to succeed with the plan that I've set for myself if I'm intentional about planning for it. Describe the progressive photos that come with each recipe in the cookbook. That, the idea of showing step-by-step photos has been a part of any recipe I've created since the very beginning. So I actually got my start in this space as a food blogger, which is very surprising to a lot of people because that isn't as much what I do now. I'm much more known for, you know, motivational speaking or writing books about hopefully making choices to change your life for the better. But I got my start as a food blogger. And when I first started, most of my audience were not people who felt super comfortable in the kitchen. So the step-by-step photos were just my way of trying to ensure that you knew exactly how it was supposed to look at each stage. And I try not to take for granted that you know what it's supposed to look like when it's mixed up or that you know the texture of that piece of meat when it's medium versus well done. So the photos are are my way of trying to help you along. I think as a blogger, I was always so mindful of the idea that if you failed when you try something new, if you, if you try a recipe or a craft and you fail at it, it's probably my fault as the writer or the blogger for not explaining it to you in enough detail. But the problem is you don't blame me, you blame yourself. And when you blame yourself for failing at something new, you're not likely to try again. So I've been really intentional with wanting to be very explanatory when we do anything to make sure that you understand. And from a cookbook perspective, it is, you'll see this a lot. Like there are plenty of cookbooks where only a certain amount of the recipes even have a hero shot and very few have hero and a hero is the big, beautiful shot at the end in case um, listeners don't know. Um, but very few have the hero shot as well as the step shots. And even though it's much more expensive, that was a, that was a must have for me, because if you learn to sort of follow along my recipes that way, I want to make sure that you have what you need to succeed. It's funny that you just mentioned it. Cause I just realized how often I have to Google what it looks like that I'm making out of a cookbook because there's not a picture with it. Yes. You need to know, especially even if you are a cook, you don't, if you've not done that recipe before, you're like, I don't know, you know, does, is, is this supposed to have grill marks? Is this supposed to have a char? Like, I think it really helps you, even if you are familiar, you feel comfortable in the kitchen, it really helps you to get to that end result. That's most ideal. If you have a visual of where you're headed. One busy mom move is to throw together Brenner breakfast yes. dinner, and you have a whole chapter devoted to it. Talk about how having something for dinner that's not really dinner makes it feel special. Yeah, I think, I, you know, this is something that felt always special to me as a little girl was getting to eat something when you weren't 
supposed to be allowed to eat it, if that makes sense. So um, I, the story I tell in the book is um, being a little girl and going to dinner. We were on a family road trip and my mom let me order a milkshake for dinner. And frankly, I think she was just so tired of, you know, four kids in a car on a long trip that she was like, man, get whatever you want. Just please stop screaming. Um, but I got to have a milkshake for dinner. I still remember that 30 years later, how special it felt. And for me, having breakfast for dinner, like if we do waffles or pancakes or we have eggs and bacon, it always feels like sort of a treat for our family. And truthfully, a lot of breakfast dishes are much easier for me to whip up quickly than, you know, meat or a casserole or something like that. So yeah, I had to do an entire chapter on breakfast for dinner because it was such a part of, of my life. And I think the storytelling reminds me of something that, um, I saw, I'll tell you, Susie, I don't read reviews of my books ever. I've made a a pretty big deal. I've talked about that a lot on social. I do not read reviews. Um, I learned not to do that years ago because good reviews make you feel awesome and bad reviews make you cry. So I just don't, (laughs) I just don't read them. Um, because I feel like, Hey, I'm not for everybody and that's fine. But I, the other day I happened to be on Amazon. I was looking at something for the cookbook. I was trying to get the link for it to post on social. And I just happened to see something that, you know, it was like two stars. And I was like, no. And then I thought, well, I have to read. I have to see what she said. I'm not, you know, I'm human. I want to know what she didn't like. And the thing she didn't like about this cookbook, which I think is important to tell your listeners, is there's a lot of storytelling. So for, for me, because I write fiction and because I write nonfiction, my fans' favorite part about the book is the story behind it. Why did you cook this? Why do you care about this thing? When did this show up in your life? And this woman was like, "There aren't. I don't want storytelling. I want the straight recipe. This feels like a waste of my time. And I thought food and especially dinner, um, it isn't just the food. It's the experience. So I never wanted to give you just the recipe. I wanted to tell you why this was meaningful and powerful in my life. So you have one Brenner. Um, it's so funny to say that Brenner. Brenner. <laughs> that's call- yeah, that's what we called it. Um, you can make uh, your breakfast strata on page 34, let's say on Sunday, and then you can serve it on Monday night for dinner. So that mm-hmm. goes along with your meal prep philosophy too. Yeah. And there's a whole section in the book of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen steel magnolias, but it's always what I think of when I, something that freezes beautifully. So there's a whole (laughs) section on food that you can prep in advance or you can marinate and throw in the freezer and then thaw out later because like, again, this is real life. None of these recipes require a ton. You don't have to prep things in advance, but if you're busy like I am and that's helpful to your life, we want to make that as easy as possible to achieve. Do you have a favorite go-to summer recipe in this cookbook? There's an entire chapter on grilling, and that was really intentional because during the summer, we are just grill fanatics. We were grill fanatics in California, but I will tell you that we moved to Texas about a month ago, and it is just hotter than heck here. And I mean, people told me it was going to be hot. I didn't really understand. And now I'm like, okay, I got you. So we've been grilling almost every night. Um, the one that I keep coming back to over and over because I eat fish, I don't eat meat is there's a cedar plank salmon recipe in the book that I love. And, um, I use a spice blend in the beginning of the book. It's four of my spice blends that you can create in your own kitchen. Um, so there's a Moroccan spice blend that I put all over that 
salmon and then put it on a cedar plank and it cooks so easy. I feel like it seems like a scary recipe because you're like, what is this wood that I'm incorporating into my grill? But honestly, it is kind of the most foolproof fish that I think you can do um, anywhere on the grill or even, um, sauteing or baking or whatever. So that's a favorite. I've been making it over and over and over. Um, but I also think the whole, um, the whole grill chapter, I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm really proud of the grilling recipes in it. Cause there's everything there's fish and there's meat and there's, uh, vegetarian options. And if you're having a cookout this summer, I feel like it's a winner. Speaking of spice blends, you are obsessed with spices and have, as you said, four spice blend recipes in this cookbook. Describe the Fiesta blend and what can we use that on? So I really, when I was younger and didn't know as much about cooking, let's say I was newly married, spice blends gave me courage and gave me confidence because I didn't feel I didn't feel confident enough in the kitchen to kind of think, oh, I could put a little cumin on this and maybe some garlic and some salt. I didn't know enough about flavors to make my own thing. So I would go to the store and I'd say, well, I'm going to make um, fajitas. And so I'm going to get like fajita mix or I'm going to get a fiesta mix. And that's going to, that's going to have the flavors that I need. The thing with spice blends is that they can be really expensive. And so I thought, well, could I give people a recipe for how you could use spices that are already spices and herbs that are already in your cabinet and mix them together to make a blend. So, um, yeah, so the Fiesta blend is something you can use on anything that has a little bit of needs, a little bit of Latin flair. And that can be anything from your meat, your fajitas, your tacos to eggs. Uh, I think they all work really well. And, um, I wanted to give something that was a different, flavor palette for no matter, like no matter what you were cooking, you had something that, that you could use. I think I remember last winter you went to Kansas city, which is mm-hmm. the reason I remember this is because I'm from Kansas city to meet about developing your own spice blend. Yes, you're so right. So originally the spice blends were blends that I was using. I thought I'm going to create these things and then I'm going to sell them. Um, and to be totally honest with you, I just came off, um, an appearance on QVC with my first cookbook. And I've done so much TV over the years and QVC just felt like this magical pairing of my skill set. Like, oh, I I know how to be on camera and I also know how to have product that I think other women will like. I should develop my own. So I started to work on the spice blends. And to be honest with you, it was such a long process. It was start and stop and start and stop. And what a what really ended up taking me out of the process was not the length of time was that I was really struggling to create something that would last on shelves, but that wouldn't include chemicals that I didn't want to put in my food. Um, and so I personally stay away from things. Like if, if there's something in your ingredients that you can't pronounce, it's probably not good for you. And a lot of what are in spice blends are, um, things that they put in there so that they don't cake. Like if you've ever had spices where it gets clumpy, it probably doesn't have these sort of agents in it to keep them from caking. And the more we worked on it, there really wasn't a way to make what I wanted to make and have the flavor I wanted to make without putting chemicals in it that would preserve the food. Interestingly enough, I found out so much about spices and how um, there's a there's a chemical that's in almost every single spice that exists that 
I don't know how else to explain it except to say that it sort of like if you put it in your mouth, the thing that's hottest in your spice blend will hit your taste buds first and it kind of wipes out all the other flavors that are there. But if you add this chemical, which I can't think of the name of it right now, it there's something in it that makes it so that when you taste the blend, you're able to taste everything. Oh, and that's that weird. there was a there was a a massive difference between one and the other, one with and one without. And I just thought, I can't, I just can't do it because I've talked so much to people about how much I try and make sure my kids aren't taking in things that they don't need. And I was like, oh, you're going to be a hypocrite. So I decided to just make the spice blends available to you in the cookbook. And if you notice, the blends are done in small batches and that's so you can use up what you've got there without it, um, without it having to sit for a really long time on your shelf, which means it's not going to cake and it's still going to give you those flavors that you want, but it's in your own kitchen in a little mason jar. You can keep it on the cabinet, um, and you're ready to go. Well, frankly, I think that's smarter too, because we, we have those spices already in our kitchen, so we can make a little batch. I think that long process going through trying to make your own spice blend brought you to that. Absolutely. Last week, I made your recipe for tuna stuffed avocados on page 154. Yes. It was so fast to make and filling, and I loved the basil. Tuna is one of those foods that you can have more than once a week, and it's so versatile. Absolutely. In fact, when I meal prep on Sundays, I almost always make tuna salad because it can sit in the fridge for several days and I can have it for lunch or in a pinch, I can throw it in an avocado like in the cookbook. And I've got something to fill me up. Again, my protein of choice is fish. So it's a great option for me. My kids will eat it. My husband will eat it. Um, Yeah. So I think I'm always trying to come up with new and different ways to serve the same kind of things. And adding in something like basil just gives it a different flavor than you're used to, but I think it's so yummy. What existed in lifestyle media when you started was only what was perfect, beautiful, and airbrushed. Right now, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what's going on other than your cookbook, The Hollis Company Made for More Movie, Rise Couples Weekend, Rise Podcast, and whatever (laughs) else is new in your world. There have been so many announcements lately. So many things. So many. Yeah. So when I first started as a blogger. I I mentioned earlier, I started as a food blogger. And honestly, my career as a blogger has really just followed me as a woman. So five or six years ago, I was trying to figure out how to feed toddlers. I was trying to figure out how to, you know, make dinners for my husband and myself that our kids would eat. So I was doing food blogging because that's the stage I was at in my life. And later in my career, I started to focus on DIY and how to decorate a home because we had a new home and I wanted to decorate it. I really have just organically brought my audience along for the ride. In the last few years, I've done a ton of work on personal growth and how do I get past some of the things that I'm dealing with, like anxiety. Um, And as I was walking through those seasons, the audience started to ask like, hey, how did you get past that? How did you learn to do this? How did you set a goal and achieve it. And I started to share my process with them. And it really has just grown again, organically into what the business is today. 
So we are the Hollis company. My husband actually just left a really big job to come and help me run this, this thing that has just exploded, which I will tell you, Susie, back in the day, my intention, and we wrote it down on the wall, was to give women the tools to change their lives. And five years later, that is still the line that's on our walls. Back in the day, I was hoping that the tools to change your life would be found in a casserole recipe. Because to me, getting dinner on the table, a lot of times felt like the greatest achievement I had in a day. Totally. And now giving you the tools to change your life looks more like um, how to be intentional and how to have a gratitude practice and how to be kinder with yourself. And I had a book come out in February called Girl, Wash Your Face. And the response to that book has been the most incredible, sometimes overwhelming, but the most incredible experience of my professional career. It has just exploded. And as it exploded, it really opened up the fan base and um, gave us more women who wanted more content. And so we that's what we do. We have personal growth conferences, both for women by themselves and in couples. And we made, this sounds like crazy, all the things that we've done. Um, but we, when we were producing our conference this last or this year, I had thousands and thousands of emails from women all over the world who were saying, I want so badly to come to the conference, but I can't afford it. I can't afford the travel. And so I really started to dream about how we might be able to bring them the experience of one of our live event weekends without the expense. And the answer to that was we made a documentary about the weekend and it will be in movie theaters on August 2nd throughout North America. So it's in both the U.S. and Canada. And you can go to letsrise.co, which has all the information about the movie and our live events, if you're curious. But it's a way to kind of check out what we do and see the magic and the power of going to a personal growth conference for the cost of a movie ticket, which is about 13 bucks. So we are really, really excited and proud of what we've built and are continuing to build. And it'll be fun to see what happens next. I'm excited for that too. I already have my ticket oh, and thank you. I'm getting together a big group of girls here in New York City to go see How it. fun. And that's what we're hoping, honestly. The most incredible thing about this online tribe that we have created is the community of women. And it really is what makes our live events so special is we say from the stage, like there is nobody here who doesn't have a friend. If you see a woman standing by herself, she just became your buddy. Nobody sits alone. We are all going to do life together. And there is something that happens. There's an energy that happens in that space when women from every walk of life are really intentional about, Hey, let's go grab a glass of wine. Hey, let's go talk about this. Hey, let's go have lunch because you find commonality in people when you didn't think you had anything in common. So I'm super excited to hear that you guys are going to go in a group because I really think that is the best way to experience this particular event. Where can we find you on the web and social media? So I'm all over the place. I'm on every 
place you could possibly find me, but my favorite to hang out is definitely Instagram. Um, I love Instagram. It's so pretty. Uh, but my handle is Miss Rachel Hollis, MS Rachel Hollis. And then I'm Rachel Hollis on every platform that there is. So you can find me anywhere you go. From a girl growing up on Wheat Patch Highway to a super popular lifestyle expert and CEO, you are such an inspiration. And I'm so honored to have you on my hundredth cookbook podcast. Thank you so much, Rachel Hollis, for coming on Cook by the book podcast. Oh, I am honored. Thank you so much for having me. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please take a moment to rate and review Cookery by the Book. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Susie Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, music to cook by on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. Thanks for listening. <laughs>